Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Same words, same order, and yet the meaning is so different. There are times when I come home from work and I want to find my kids just to see where they're do- what they're up to and you walk in and you hunt around the house for a little bit and say, ah, oh, what are you doing? And there are other times when I walk in the front door and immediately I see my kids and the question is, what are you doing? <laughs> same words, same order. And yet the meaning is so, so different. And again, let me encourage you, come back tonight because we're going to be continuing our series, What Were You Thinking Tonight? Because you actually don't hear with your ears, you hear with your brain. And so the same words in the same order can be heard very differently. And we're going to talk tonight about how we actually change our thinking. Do you know what? Same words in the same order in the Bible can still lead people to very different conclusions. Why? Because we don't just need information. You can read the Bible for information. You can look at times and dates and places. You can get information from here. But the reality is is that you're only going to get the most out of the Bible when you get revelation from it, when you allow the Holy Spirit to speak with you, because the same words in the same order can be different depending on how you are hearing the Word of God. How do I know this? Well, let's use a biblical example. Let's talk about the Pharisees. You see, the Pharisees had the Scripture. The Pharisees knew the Word. And yet when Jesus came, they missed him. Why? Because they had information, not revelation of who God is. In Luke 11, verse 46, Jesus actually takes the Pharisees to task over this. Jesus replied, and you experts in the law, woe to you. Because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. What's happening here? How how were the Pharisees actually loading down the people? You see, the Pharisees had the word of God. They had the standard. They had the promises. They had the grace, the love that's expressed through this book. And yet they were loading the people down with burdens that they couldn't carry. Why? Information, not revelation. You see, the Pharisees were taking these scriptures and saying, you know what? Here is the standard. So let's place the standard on the top shelf. There's the standard. Now live up to it. And all these people were going, oh, There's the standard. Hey, I honoured my mother and father today. That's a good thing. Hey, I helped an old lady across the street today. That's a good thing. Hey, 
I tithe today. That's a good thing. I'm getting closer to the standard. Woohoo! Hey, I lied today. Hey, I lost my cool today. <sighs> I'm further away. And so the Pharisees actually had their tally book out. There's the standard, live up to it. And all the people were doing this all day long, trying to get to the standard. And yet, it was impossible. No one could actually reach the standard. Was the standard wrong? No. There's nothing wrong with the standard. It's how we approach the standard that's wrong. You see, the Pharisees took it and used it to load people up. But Jesus came onto the scene. He said, you know what? You don't have to live up to my standard. You see, when you become a Christian, the word says that you're born again into Christ. And so Jesus himself places you... Inside the standard. What does that mean? That means that all the promises that God declares over my life, the grace that he declares over my life, the forgiveness that he declares over my life are all true for me because I'm in Christ. I don't have to be going up and down all the time trying to get to the standard. Jesus put me in there. I don't have to live up to a standard. I get to live out of that standard. That means that even though I'm having some struggles, you know what? I may still be feeling like I'm going up and down. But Jesus placed me here and here is the grace for me to deal with my circumstances. Here is the love declared over me for my circumstances. Here is the forgiveness that I need both personally and to express to others. You see, we're not living up to a standard. We're living out of a standard. And that's why the subtitle of our message Discovering our true identity in Christ. I can tell you a bit about myself. I can give you some information. I am this tall. I am this wide. I'm married. I have three kids. Information. But what I need is revelation as to how to deal with all of those different things in my life. You see, the problem that we have is that we turn this relationship with Jesus into religion. And when we turn this relationship with Jesus into religion, we effectively take ourselves out of Christ. And when we take ourselves out of Christ, where do we put ourselves? Back on the ladder, trying to live up to this standard that I just can't do. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new 
is here. What's that saying? Exactly this. We become a new creation because Jesus places us in Christ. And so therefore, the struggling, the striving, the ladder of our life, we can put to one side. And we can choose to live in the standard that Jesus has set for us. You know what? We sing a worship song here. I am who he says I am. The problem is, is that for many of us, we don't have a clear enough conviction of who he says I am. And so today, we're just going to look at three things that is declared over your life, your true identity that you find in Christ. You see, the first thing that we want to touch on this morning is that I am not my own. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 to 20, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? There, sorry, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honour God with your bodies. Do you know what? I like this scripture and I hate this scripture all at the same time. It's true and not true in my thinking all at the same time. I get why I'm not my own. I do. But at the same time, I can stand here and say, but I am my own and I can prove it because I can do whatever I want and you can't stop me. So I am my own, but I'm not my own. How does that work? How can it actually both be true and it both is true? The answer is, well, how do you want to live your life? Do you want to live on the ladder? I am my own. I can do whatever I want. Oh, but there's the standard. But I can do whatever I want. I can, you know, whatever, right? But do you want to live here, up and down, towards the standard or not? Because if you actually believe what God says, I am not my own. Because there's freedom in that. Because I am not my own. Because Jesus has put me in the standard. Jesus has got me in Christ. So I don't have to do the ladder all day long. I'm able to rest in him. You see, that scripture refers to a price. It says you were bought with a price. That price is Jesus Christ's own life. That price is the blood that he spilled for me some 2,000 years ago. Why? Because God was addressing my biggest need. You see, my biggest need or my biggest problem, if you like, isn't my job. My biggest problem isn't where I live. My biggest problem isn't my house. My biggest problem isn't my wife. My biggest problem isn't my children. And you know what? It's the same for you. None of those things are your biggest problem. My biggest problem is the sin that's in my life that separates me from God. And Jesus, some 2,000 years ago, paid a price for me. He went to a cross willingly to die for me, to fix that gap that my sin 
had created. And when he did that, one of the things that he accomplished is that he redeemed me. That word, redeemed, is actually like what happens with a gift voucher. Christmas was recently, how many people got gift vouchers for Christmas? How many people have gone to swap that little bit of plastic for the goods that you want? That's what Jesus did for me and it's what Jesus did for you when he died on that cross. He took the little bit of plastic and said, you know what, I'll have Ashley, I'll have Andre, I'll have Jane, I'll have all of you. He redeemed me. And so therefore, he has purchased me. There are many scriptures along similar lines. In Psalm 139, it says that he knit me together in my mother's womb. He formed me. He made me. In Psalm 24, it says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Are we in the earth today? Then we're the Lord's. Ephesians 2 says that I've been made alive in Christ. And as we've just talked about, that I've been bought with a price. Scripture is really quite clear that we actually aren't our own. We belong to him. And yet I've got to tell you, there's still a battle that rages inside of me. And it might be the same battle that rages inside of you. And that is that I still want to do whatever I want to do when I want to do it. Right? You see, I'm not my own. I know it. But the flesh in me says, well, I, I want to be my own. What is that? Selfishness. My own selfishness rises against what God declares over my life. And when my own selfishness wins, you know where that puts me? Back on the ladder. Up and down. Trying to reach this standard where if I'd just rest in Jesus, if I'd rest in Christ, I'm already positioned where he wants me to be. You see, when we're not, I say I'm not my own, and it's actually true, but not just even in this context. As I said before, I'm married, which means I'm actually not my own within that relationship. But again, there are times where my selfishness wants to rise and it causes tension. I'm a father. I'm actually not my own. I've got these kids that I belong to as well. And yet Jesus says, come to me. Let me give you the grace that you need to wrestle with the tension of not being your own. You see, I need Jesus in my life to manage the competing pull of all of these things and the Holy Spirit to lead me and to guide me and to equip me to be able to be all that he's calling me to be. But this then leads to probably our biggest question and our biggest fear. If we're not our own... Does that make me a slave? If I belong to another, does, does that make me a slave? 
And the answer is actually both yes and no. You see, there are times that I feel like a slave to my children. Anyone else? Anyone else feel like they're a slave to their children at times? Driving them around all the place, trying to keep up with their social calendar, which is better than mine. What's, what's with that? And that yet at the same time, there are times where my children think that I'm a slave driver. Especially on a Saturday when it comes to cleaning the house. I get more eye rolls. I get more... <sighs> I get more, do I have to, on a Saturday morning than any other time. As my children think that I'm a slave driver. Am I a slave? The answer is both yes and no. The real answer is no. Why? Because love overrides everything else. Do I feel like a slave to my children when I'm driving them around? Sometimes when it's my selfishness. But love overrides. I want my kids to experience more. I want them to know what's out there. Same with Jesus. Are we a slave then to God? Well, not really, because love overrides. And God could say, yes, slave. But he doesn't. What he does is he takes us from this spot and he elevates us into being a child of God. In Romans 8, verses 14 to 17, for those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we're also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So we could be slaves, but God elevates us. He says, no, you're a son and you're a daughter of mine. You know, this scripture is so rich. If we can just have it back up on the screen again from the start. This scripture is so rich that I can actually see six things straight away that being a child of God actually does for me. It's six things. It's our six greatest needs as people are all addressed in four short verses in this scripture. You see, the first thing I see is that we gain authority by being called children of God. The scripture says if you're led by the Spirit, you're sons and daughters of God. That actually gives me authority. My children have authority in my house. They have authority over their rooms. They may not exercise that authority all the time, but they have authority over their rooms. They have authority over my fridge. They can help themselves. They have authority over my pantry. They can help themselves. They have authority over my backyard. They can go out there and play. They have authority over our dogs. They can take them for a walk. 
You see, but straight away, what Jesus is saying is by being sons and daughters of God, we automatically gain authority in our lives. And it's a delegated authority from God himself. It actually gives me a confidence. Do you know I can walk around this earth going, you know what? My dad owns this. I can watch a sunset and go, oh, my dad did that. It gives me a confidence to be able to move around and go, hey, I can rest in God's arms because he's my dad. He'll look after me. Beyond that, it actually gives me an authority over the sin that's in my life and over the enemy, Satan, that wants to destroy me because God gave me that authority. So straight away, because I'm a son of God, I have an authority that's been given to me. You know what? I also gain security because the scripture says that I'm no longer a slave. I don't have to live in fear. And so straight away, I can go, cool. Well, if, if I'm afraid of something, you know what? That's not from God. Ah, if it's not from God, hey, my dad, come and sort this for me. So being a child of God gives me security. Bringing a, being a child of God brings me intimacy. Abba Father. Translation of Abba Father. It's, it's sort of daddy. It's sort of papa but not in a childish way. It's able to go to God and just say, hey, Dad, struggling a bit with this. Won't you help? So straight away, there's an intimacy involved. There's an assurance that I get from being a child of God. You see, his spirit testifies with our spirit. We gain an inheritance. We're heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. You see, heaven is our true home. And it's more grand and more glorious than we can imagine. And it's just one of the benefits of being called a child of God. And finally, I see that there's discipline within this scripture. No one likes discipline. But truly, discipline is love. See, we've all seen or heard of children raised with no discipline, and it doesn't go well for those children. See, discipline is love. And without being shown discipline, we're all left to learn the hard way when we don't actually have to. Six things, six benefits of being a child of God. Six things that as a human, I need. As a human, I need security. I need assurance. So if I'm not in Christ, where do I get my security and my assurance from? Oh, the latter, right? If I need to feel secure, but I'm not in Christ, then I'm going to do lots of things, everything that I can to try and feel secure. Maybe it's financially secure, which means I'm going to take multiple jobs, work lots of overtime, just so that I can try and feel a little bit more secure. But then the global financial crisis hits and maybe not so much anymore. 
or the stock market crashes and maybe not so much anymore, but it's a need that's within me that's met in Christ as a child of God. If only I would let him do that for me. You see, the ladder can never meet or fulfil our deepest needs. It's only being in Christ that helps do that. And it's only because I am a child of God. You see, whatever we think we might have lost from not being our own is more than made up for by being a child of God. We can't focus on what we lose. Let's focus on what we gain. I'm not my own. Maybe there's a sting in that for some. But if I'm not my own, I am in Christ. I am a child and I gain so much more because of it. You see, when we've had this revelation that I'm not my own, and then the revelation that God made me his child... He then gives me purpose. Number three, I am Christ's ambassador. In 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ and not counting people's sins Against them. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God. What is it to be an ambassador? Well, we actually have a fairly good idea based on what our country does. Our country sends ambassadors out to other countries to represent our interests. So as we, send, we, as we appoint an ambassador, so they're appointed from a greater authority, they're sent out to a foreign place. They don't belong in the foreign place, but they're there to represent our country. And we see the same thing within our lives as Christians. See, we're called to be Christ's ambassadors. God has actually appointed every single one of us to represent him wherever we go. We're sent out into this world. Scripture says, be in the world, but not of the world. It means that we're called to go out, taking Christ with us, representing him, wherever we go. So whatever it is, whether it's to work, to school, to uni, whether it's just shopping, we're there to take Christ with us. We're there to represent him and show the world what he's really like. You see, our motive is love and our message is love. God so loved the whole world that he sent his son. And so we're called to represent Jesus wherever we go. I don't know about you. I don't know if that feels like a good thing or a bad thing. You know, for me, it's actually a bit of both at times. 
You know, when I, when I look at the scriptures and we read the story of Mary and Martha, I'm a Martha. I would be the person working away. When I read the Bible and I see stories about Jesus and the Pharisees, I'm not usually Jesus in the story. You know what? I would actually make a really good Pharisee. I would be one of those people, and I mean this in all sincerity, I would be one of those people wanting to crucify Jesus. Why? Because here's the standard and I need to live up to it is my natural thinking. You see, the problem I have with being an ambassador is that people catch what you have, not what you say. See, earlier this year, a couple of members of our congregation actually got diagnosed with influenza A. And because of that, they had to be quarantined, weren't allowed out of the house, couldn't go anywhere. Now, they could say, no, it's just a common cold, and do whatever they want. <clears throat> but people don't catch what you say, they catch what you have. And so if they left the house, they wouldn't be spreading the cold that they said, they'd be spreading the influenza A that they were trying to say that they didn't have. You see, the concern that I have for me in being Christ's ambassador is people will catch what I have. And if I'm on the ladder, what I'm trying to do is say, hey, come and be a Christian. This is awesome. You should come and try this. Hey, do you want to be a Christian? This is amazing. Jesus is right there. See, oh, but... Whoa. People catch what you have, not what you say. And when I actually am being an ambassador for Christ, I need to make sure I'm taking Christ's message, not mine. I need to make sure that, you know what, I'm in Christ. Because if I'm in Christ, then I can share to others what being in Christ really is about. It's a challenge for me. But you won't truly find your identity outside of Christ. Christ has called you. Christ has purposed you. Find your identity in him. As the band comes. I know that I've really laboured this point this morning. If you're not in Christ, you're on the ladder. And I don't know about you just sitting there watching me, but the ladder is exhausting. The ladder is frustrating. It's up and down. I'm not going anywhere. And ultimately, the ladder is impossible. It's nothing wrong with the standard. The standard's right. It's how I deal with the standard that I need to watch. I need to be in Christ. You see, God doesn't want you on the ladder. He wants you to find all that you need in Him. You know what? I am not my own because I've been purchased. I'm a child of God. You know, God has positioned me. And finally, I am Christ's ambassador. He has purposed me. In Christ, purchased, positioned, and purposed.
thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 